William and Joe, uh, let me pray over you uh, just a second right now. Our Father God, you are faithful. Your gospel, Christ crucified for our sins and risen from the dead. That's That's a supernatural power of God that transforms lives, changes the whole landscape of a nation. We pray your anointing on Will and Joe, Lord God. Holy Spirit, that you would fill them, that you would leverage them to the glory of God in Japan. Grateful, Lord God, for their service to you and their place in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, everybody, glad you're here. Um, Want to greet those who are joining us online. We love you guys. I thank God for all of you. If you're with us for the first time, man, um, we're delighted God has brought you. We, we would believe that you, would, you said yes to him. He drew you here. That makes me think he's up to something good in your life. In fact, the very reason that each of us is joined in this worship tonight, either in this room or online, is because God is up to something good in our lives. Let me show you the good God was up to for the Clark family this week. Uh, yeah, uh, Lovia, our daughter, her husband, uh, Aaron, gave us this little bundle of beauty, uh, Soleil Josephine. And uh, as you see, yeah, grandma's loving on her. This, she is our sixth grandchild, and number seven is on the way, thanks to Wilkie and Marissa. Um, so it's all good for us. But I, often when Deb and I pray, we'll thank God for our kids. We love our children, we love their spouses, and we love our grandchildren. And often when I pray, <laughs> this is weird, but I consider you my spiritual children. And I pray for you, and if there is one spiritual uh, Christ-honoring lesson that I want every single person I love to get drilled down into their heart, it is this. Be sure, be sure that you are on the right side of life's ultimate rivalry. Because being on the right side of life's ultimate rivalry will put you on the right side of life's ultimate victory. Now, uh, you know what a rivalry is? Well, help, to help us get all on the same page, I want to show you uh, some of my personal favorite rivalries through the years, reaching all the way back to the 1980s. It was Ferris Bueller versus Ed Rooney. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, and then because I'm a Matrix fan, Matrix, it's Neo versus Agent Smith. And then the scariest rivalry of all time, Freddy Krueger versus Jason Voorhees. Yeah, gross. Gonna give me bad dreams tonight. But the gigantic, the most gigantic rivalry of all time, Godzilla versus King Kong. Lovely, lovely creatures. Okay, here's a 10-year rivalry, Harry Potter and Lord Baltimore. But the greatest rivalry of all time, spanning 100 years, the Green Bay Packers versus the Chicago Bears. Oh, you're sick. Uh, But all these, all these rivalries and all the rivalries of all time compare not even a speck of dust on the scales of history. The ultimate rivalry 
began. Before time began. Here's how it got started. The word of God, book of Revelation says, war, war broke out in heaven. Michael the archangel and all his angels fought the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but they were no match for Michael. Wasn't even a fight. They were cleared out of heaven. Not a sign of them left. The great dragon, which is the ancient serpent, the one called devil and Satan, the one who leads the whole world astray, He's thrown out, and all his angels thrown out with him, thrown down to earth. Now, do you know exactly the moment that this occurred? Uh, Hebrew scholars believe that it happened in the second verse, second sentence in the Bible. Here's the first sentence in the Bible, first book of the Bible, book of Genesis, chapter one, sentence one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then bam, with, that, with the beauty and glory of creation, the one we know as Satan was filled with murderous arrogance, envy, just an ugly jealousy. He tried to steal the throne of God and in a blink of eye, here's what happened. The earth, when he was cast down and all his demons, a third of the angels in heaven were cast out with Satan. When that happened, the earth became a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. And then just in another blink of the eye, just like that, here's what happened. Verse two is not even over. The second sentence is not even complete. This happened. The spirit of God brooded over those dark vapors. And God commanded, let there be light. And light appeared. And Satan and all his cronies scattered like a bunch of cockroaches into their dark holes. But Hebrew scholars say that's when it happened. With creation, there was pride and arrogance and all its ugliness. It wasn't even a fight. Satan cast out of heaven. I want to take you into a courtroom moment when God is judging Satan and issuing him, sentencing him with a damning verdict. So we're, we're going to go into the courtroom. God is the judge. Satan is the perpetrator being sentenced to damnation. Here's what happens. The Lord God says to Satan, ah, oh, my gosh, you were the perfection of wisdom and beauty. Uh, you were in Eden, the garden of God. I mean, your clothing was bejeweled with every precious stone, all in beautiful settings of the finest gold. They were given to you on the day you were created. You see, Satan is not like an opposite God to the one true and living God. Satan is not God or God-like. Satan is a created being. He had a beginning, and the Bible says he is enraged right now because he knows his time, his end is coming. You were created. I appointed you to be the anointed guardian angel. I mean, you had access to the holy mountain of God. You walked among the stones of fire. From the day of your creation, you were sheer perfection. Then evil was detected in you. You turned violent. You sinned. I cast you off the mountain of God in disgrace. Your heart was filled with pride because of your beauty. 
You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. Therefore, pride, going for your own glory, God will cast out. This uh, ultimate rivalry has always been about light and darkness. And the darkness, whether it was in Satan's heart or in mine or in yours, is driven by pride. Seeking our own, what we want. Our own splendor, our own glory, the best for us. It's a story. From that point, for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, Satan has still been all about pride and wanting me to be prideful and you to be prideful. And God has been in the process ever since of knocking down those who are full of pride. Now, it's easy to identify pride in our boss or in a teammate that plays on our sports team and a friend in a coworker, it's not so easy to identify pride in ourselves. So let's look at three elements of pride. First, this is a negative element of pride, self-absorbed pride. This is insecurity. Thinking about yourself all the time, how you feel, how you look, how, what people think of you. Self-absorbed, insecure. It's kind of the dark side of pride. Here's the second kind of pride, self-infatuated pride. This is thinking that you should be the center of attention, that you're absolutely wonderful and everyone around you should think that you're wonderful and should give you their attention and be entertained by you. Then thirdly, self-exalting pride. This is when you think you, you're the greatest and all you can do is talk about yourself. You know everything. Or the other side of that same coin is this. You think your problems are the greatest and all you can ever talk about is your problems. And you want everyone to know, you just, wherever you go, at home, at work, neighborhood, wherever you go, you're talking about your problems. Three elements of pride. And maybe you're thinking, man, that's not me, that's not me, that's not me, that's not me. How many times did you just think, me, me, me? It's a battle. It's a war. It was a war for Satan. It's a war for me. As I went through those elements this week myself, every, and when I look back on my life, every time I was a jerk, it was one of those elements of pride. Every time I was gross, it was one of those elements of pride. Well, now we're going to go back to the courtroom. God, judge, Satan, We've had the verdict. Now God's going to lay out the evidence. It's called the five I wills of Satan. Here we go. Book of Isaiah chapter 14. God says to Satan, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to earth. The, the force of that verb there in the Hebrew is like, you were fired down to earth. Great velocity. No coming back. For you said in your heart, here's the first I will of Satan, I will ascend to the heavens. Here's the second I will of Satan, I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. And the fifth I will of Satan, I will make myself like 
the Most High. Wasn't that the first temptation that he offered Adam and Eve? You'll be, eat this fruit and you'll be like God. I will make myself like the Most High. But that kind of pride, you're going down. But you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. So the ultimate rivalry in history is always darkness versus light. And light always wins. The ultimate rivalry in my heart and yours is pride and humility. And we get to choose which wins. In fact, this is the essence of our rethink text tonight. We've been for weeks in Romans chapter 12, do and rethink. When life doesn't turn out the way you plan, when life doesn't turn out the way you plan, it's time to rethink the level of pride in your life. Verses 15 through 17 is our text tonight. Look at the word of God. In the book of Romans, scripture says, be happy with those who are happy. Now, what would prevent you from being happy with a friend who's happy? They got a promotion, you got let go. What would keep you from celebrating with them? Pride. They made the team, you got cut. What would keep you from being happy for them? Your pride. The text goes on, uh, weep with those who weep. It's, it's genuine humility that enables you to feel the pain in someone's life and, and put your arm around them and pray with them and comfort them. Thoughtless of yourself and what's going on in your life. It's humility that enables you to weep with those who are weeping. Live in harmony with each other. There is no harmony in any relationship, in any of our lives. There is no harmony where there is pride. Harmony is only possible with humility. Harmony in a marriage, harmony between parents and children, harmony between friends. It happens on the basis of our humility. Don't be stuck up. That's pride. Don't be too proud to make friends with nobodies. A humble person is friends with everybody. And don't think you know it all. That's pride. Now notice these next two phrases. They, see who they remind you of. Never pay back evil with more evil and discover beauty in everyone. To me, that sounds a lot like Jesus. And so since I've given you the five I wills of Satan, and whenever we catch ourselves saying to ourselves, I will, I will, I will, I will, it's likely evidence that that's being whispered into our ear by the evil one. Well, let me give you the seven I wills of Jesus. Satan, he just kept piling up the pride and piling up the pride, and he was doomed to destruction as a result. Jesus, though God humbled himself and took on flesh, and as a flesh and blood man was a servant to all, I mean to the point of death on the cross, 
God raised him from the dead and exalted him on the basis of his humility. That's what's going on everywhere all the time. Just like God exalted Jesus, gave him the name above all names and exalted him to the place above all places that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord. It's happening in my life. It's happening in yours. God is ever about the business of exalting those who are humble, who bring humility to their marriage, who bring humility to their parenting, who bring humility to their work, who fight the war against pride by trying to build up humility in their lives. Well, here are the seven I wills of Jesus. This, friends, this is more than information. This is meant to be experienced right now in this moment. So get your hearts open. Get your spirit ready. Here are the promises of Jesus, the I wills. Here's the first I will of Jesus. I will show you how to fish for the souls of men. This is Jesus humbling, humbly offer, asking you to embrace his purpose for our lives. We all go through life choosing a particular purpose. Jesus, there's only one real purpose. It's my purpose for your life. You find fulfillment and satisfaction as you bring your friends and family and neighbors and coworkers to church, as you bring your friends and family to Jesus. That's my purpose for your life. And I will empower you. I will give you opportunity. I will help you. I will show you how to fish for the souls of men. Here's the second I will of Jesus. I will never turn away from anyone who comes to me. That's your confidence, not, 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 not just for, for bringing your friends and family to church, not, not just for making Jesus attractive to coworkers and, and neighbors, but this is the promise of Christ to you that he offers you, uh, humbly he offers you unconditional acceptance. Anyone who comes to him, I mean, even in this moment, you can turn to him. Even in this moment, you can come to him. Online, you can come to him. I mean, there's nothing that you've done in your past that would prevent him from offering unconditional acceptance. He's not looking for you to win some trophy in your future. He accepts you right now as you are on the basis of your willingness just to come to him. So come to him now. I mean, right now where you sit, right now at home, just say, Lord, I'm coming to you. Come to him right now. Here's the third I will of Jesus. I will also love you. I'm not just going to accept you. I'm going to love you. And his love is unfailing. His love is unshakable. Though the mountains be removed and the hills be shaken, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. I, also, I will also love you and show you what I am like. This is a relationship. You come to him. You find acceptance, but you get more than acceptance. You get love. And out of the love, he just begins to reveal himself. Every aspect, as much as you can embrace, he reveals every aspect of himself to you. I will love you. Here's the next I will of Jesus. Come to me. This may be the most loved and famous of all the I wills of Jesus. Come to me and I will give you, I will give you rest. This is his humble promise to take your stress. You can cast all your cares on him. 
the Bible says, because he cares for you, to take your anxiety, to take your problems. He just wants to offer you rest. 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. He lays me down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. You come, he loves you, he restores you. He gives you rest. You get to do life in the rest of his peace. Here's the next I will of Jesus. Ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. What he's promising here is that when your prayers line up with his prayers, he answers your prayers every time. He says, you, when your prayers are identical to my prayers, bam, I'll do it every time. I respond every single time. You make your prayers identical to my prayers. I will. I will do it. Now get this next one. He says, furthermore, I will appear to you. That's what he wants to do right now, right here, right now in the air you breathe. Furthermore, here's another I will. Furthermore, I will appear to you. And in that appearance, as you are in his presence, as you cultivate your sense of awareness that you are right, he's right here, right now in the air you breathe and you are with him in that appearing to you, then you will rejoice and no one can rob you at that joy, of that joy. This is Jesus humbly promising to give you joy unspeakable. Because you see, when he steps into your life, when you become aware of his appearing in your life, he steps in with all that is him and the defining trait of Jesus is his joy. He... He speaks, he speaks, and when he speaks, he said this, I have said these things to you that my joy might be in you and your joy might be overflowing. So he appears and he speaks as you are aware and as you listen, you have a joy that no one can take from you. Here's the, the next I will of Jesus. I, I will send the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. I will send. You can bank on it. I'm delivering on this one. I will send the Spirit to you. Now, um, this battle we do between pride and humility, um, what's happening right now when we receive his Spirit, it's all about making us, helping us, Achieve greater humility. Look what happens when the Spirit comes into our lives. This is Galatians 5.22. The Spirit then makes us loving. That's humility. Makes us happy, peaceful. That's humility, patient and kind. That's humility, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled. Humility, humility, humility. And, and so, whether it's... Um, Little Soleil Josephine or, or, or the little one that's being formed and knitted by God fearfully and wonderfully in Marissa's womb, my daughter-in-law in her womb right now, or it's my uh, biological boys, their wives and children, my, my Wilkie and Aaron and their kids. Um, 
you, my spiritual children, I want you to be sure that you're on the right side of the ultimate rivalry. Here's what I can tell you for sure. Jesus is on your side. You may not choose to be on his side, but I'm telling you right now, he is on, this is what you gotta know. Jesus is on your side. But knowing that Jesus is on your side, you gotta make a decision. You gotta make a commitment. And the commitment is to side up with Jesus. In fact, that's the last thing I'd like for us to do. I'd, I'd like for us to say this together. Would you stand with me, please? If I could have that phrase once again, thank you. Um, I want to say this aloud together at home. You guys join us. Um, I'll say it, you just say it after me. Jesus is on my side. And I'm siding up with Jesus. Jesus is on my side. I'm siding up with Jesus. One more time. Jesus is on my side. And I'm committed. This is my decision. I'm siding up with Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.